Med Family is a show about a family journeying through medical school with kids and navigating married life. Tag along to see how we got here and where this journey is taking us. Hello, welcome to the podcast Med Family. I'm Eric Acker, the host with Karen. Hey guys, it's been so, a minute. Yeah, it's been, <laughs> been about three, four weeks now since we last recorded. I know we recorded during one of the weeks of my night call. When I had a quote and unquote day off. <laughs> um, and since then, we have not posted anything and a holiday has gone by and uh, a lot has kind of gone on in that chunk of time. So we, we finished nights. We got on to inpatient floors, which I was on uh, a three South B team for two weeks. I took step three <laughs> and then... Uh, we had Christmas, uh, and now I'm on continuity clinic. So we've had a, quite a few things going on since then. Um, a lot of personal things as well as med- well, personal medical things. So um, not medical like we're sick. Or we, I actually have been sick. but uh, We are finally <laughs> healthy. We were sick. Healthy is a relative term. I'm still <laughs> coughing up crap. But Well, no more fevers, no more like... Any not actively death. infectious. Yes, and <laughs> that has that has been since like October. Somebody has been sick. Yeah, we, so should, we should paint. Nice. Yeah, painting the scene here. Um, so we did nights, um, but prior to nights, I'd done ED. I think it was ED continuity clinic, and then nights, and I think that was about Thanksgiving time. So we we had this wonderful time of ED where it was its own little struggle and there was pluses and minuses to all the ED rotations. But the entire time during ED, I was sick, basically. I I had a cold, I had fevers every now and then, like low-grade fevers, nothing that would be picked up in the hundreds, but definitely felt hot and cold throughout shifts. Um, Moved on to continuity clinic week. I was starting to feel a little bit better, I think, during that week. You got pink eye. And then I got pink eye over Thanksgiving, <laughs> which I feel awful about, because um, then it kind of went through the entire family. Um, no, it's just you and me. <laughs> really? Under the kid, you mentioned the kids had like glued shut eyes, and then all that of was, were complaining about his eyes. Uh, but they never got like red or pink, and they weren't itching them or anything. Oh, okay. So I think it was just the congestion. So they, then, we, yeah, we got pink eye. Then I started night shifts, and. Honestly, can't say enough worse bad things about nights. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was, it was good and it was bad. Like, if I'm gonna, I'll try to do some of the positive things. So the positive things were I had a really good group of people I worked with. I did enjoy working with them. It just there were certain days where you just had three of us. There was just me, another transitional, uh, transitional year resident, and then a second year. The second year generally was like tied up with eight south. I had one of the floors and like the entire two south A or and B, and the other resident had two, you know, three south A and B. So that's about twenty to thirty patients. It's about it's not twenty. It's it's thirty to thirty five patients. Okay. Because um, each team can max out at uh, I think eighteen patients, and so eighteen plus eighteen, so yeah, thirty six. Um, so if they discharge a few patients and you were lucky enough not to have a full team, 
or crew of patients, then you could be below 35. It'll be about 35 patients. And then we would take on three or four admits a night. <laughs> so, uh, so over the course of, you know, just the, the flow of conversations when we kind of talked about it in the last podcast, if I vaguely remember, like the nurses had certain hours where it felt like you just were being inundated with questions from the nurses and patients that weren't sleeping and trying to get patients to sleep. And then you'd get your admission and you'd go down and do the admission. You'd, and then you'd have maybe a brief period of calm. Either way, I did a, a good six day stretch of nights, which, um, I'm not sure we mentioned it. I'm sure we did, but like days off on night shift is really pointless uh, because you don't really get your sleep cycle back. You don't really get to live around other human beings. And so you're basically <laughs> still kind of on a night shift mentality, but you're, kind of, you're sort of transitioning off and then sort of transitioning back on. And then you, you, you're accomplishing none of, nothing of, of importance. And then you're going back to night, so you're and then tired. Because you, you tried to transition off of nights for a 24-hour period, and then you went straight back into it. Um, and then you did six days on, where I think half of those days I was, all, I was running a floor solo and <laughs> trying to keep up with my admissions. And then I think my last three days, um, just how it ended up working, the senior was distributing the admits, and he would start with me, which is fine. You know, you start with somebody. But then... Like everyone would get one patient, everyone would get a second patient, and then by the time that third round rolls around, like it would be pretty close to like it would be like five thirty, six o'clock, so about a half an hour, an hour or so from when you're about ready to sign out to the morning people, and suddenly like you're getting an admit and like you're getting the third or fourth admission, you're just like oh my gosh, um, so I got to run and do this admission, try to get the history and physical written, all the orders in. We look at everything I did over the course of the night, compile it into a, a solid list so that when I sign out to the night, the day people, the, the day people have an idea. And I'm trying to get my H&P done because the nighttime uh, attending wants to go home. <laughs> so anyway, it's just, it's a mess. Um, it's very stressful. I know there was definitely days I left and I, I felt like I did a good job, but I think most days I came... When going to work, I just felt incredibly stressed, just like not knowing what was going to happen, not knowing what kind of things I was going to be asked to do, what kind of obstacles I was going to be faced with, like what's going to happen to my patients and not feeling adequate, I think is the word to use, <laughs> feeling like you know enough to really be of, of help to your patients. And so just showing up every day and just trying to do your best. Um, and I think honestly, most of my patients did just fine and we got through it. There were a few very stressful patients who, um, the day team plan was basically, please don't do anything. But the patient was like, please do everything. And <laughs> it's very difficult because like, especially when the, the day team is like, we're trying to discharge this patient. They need to go home. They need to have regular follow-ups with the primary care doctor, but they don't want to go home. They want to stay here forever. And then you're gonna you're kind of put against that <laughs> and trying to handle everything else, and you're just like, my God, I just wanna, <laughs> I just wanna get through the night. And then you're of course responding to all the rapids. You're you're dealing with all the. We didn't have to. I mean, that was probably one of the into the pro column, 
going to the rapids was nice to kind of see how they're supposed to run to some degree, kind of get a little exposure to how that all goes and um, what kind of resources you might have, what kind of issues you might run across and then how to deal with it. I, obviously, I haven't seen everything. I've seen a few flavors of things, but not everything. So that's, I don't know, six days of that. And then I basically, I think I worked Sunday night to Monday morning. And then I basically, I had quote and unquote Monday off. Um, <laughs> I had a 24-hour period where I went from nights, at, you know, leaving at 7 a.m. Monday and then having to come back in at like 6.30 on Tuesday, Tuesday morning to start the floor shifts. And I had a couple days, day off, then a few days on. And then, I, I know, I, I had probably a lot, you know, if you look at the calendar, it looked like I had a lot of days off on this, that two-week floor shift. But there were three days off I had, quote, unquote, that were, um, two of them were my step three days. I took it on Wednesday and then, uh, no, Tuesday and then Thursday. And then I was able to trade shifts and get Wednesday off so I can basically cram some more CCS cases in and some more studying in and then go back to Raleigh and take part two and then come back, work Friday, Saturday, Sunday, <laughs> um, which it was Sunday was uh, Christmas Eve, get off as quickly as I could on Christmas Eve, meet Karen at her church, do Christmas Eve mass, and then <laughs> go home, wrap a bunch of presents. And then get woken up at an ungodly hour by a bunch of children who were very excited that Santa had come. So, <laughs> <sighs> we're tired. Um, <laughs> Eric kept saying, like, the whole last few months, I don't know why I'm so tired. I don't know why I'm so tired. And then, like, today he's like, I was, I was, I finally logged all my hours since my <laughs> clinic patients decided not to show. And... <sighs> Man, I worked a lot of hours. Yeah. Well, on that on that six day stretch on nights, um, I worked seventy seven hours that week, and that was probably generous if I'm honest. Like, I, I'm looking back at basically what my schedule was and just logging those hours. Um, roughly, I mean, the way we log hours, I don't think we can log half hour, so we log full hours. So I'm kind of. Fudging it. I know there were definitely days I stayed until like eight o'clock in the morning finishing H and P's, and there were days I came in a little bit early because I wasn't really sure what the floor had, so I wanted to review the floor a little bit more. So I don't know. Um, I just kind of guessed at basically what my hours were, but it was about seventy-seven hours of work, which we cap at eighty. So I was getting close to my cap, if not hitting my cap. And that's always fun. Uh, <laughs> and then the the following weeks on the floors, I think I logged around 55 hours in one week, which isn't that bad um, for a residency. But then I it was like, oh, but that's the week I took step three. So you got to think you two eight-hour days, yeah. so 16 hours in there. So you're already at 60. <clears throat> you're basically at 70 hours at that point. Um, plus the studying time I did on, on that third day that I had, you know, one of those days I had off. So like, okay, I, I, I've worked a lot and now we're in clinic week. We had, thankfully we, we really drew the best straw for clinic rotation because I got, you know, Thanksgiving week and then we got Christmas week. So, um, that means that Eric gets his golden weekend this weekend 
because at clinic you get your full weekend off. So he probably won't get Monday off, which is New Year's. Yeah, we're trying to we're trying to figure that out. I I start pulmonology on Monday, and mm-hmm. unclear if the pulmonologist yeah. is. But I mean. It's New Year. I mean, we're not going to do anything for New Year's Eve, but... We, we've never done it. We haven't done anything in, like, seven years or since longer. We, since, since we, we started, started having, having kids. kids, yeah. Um, but, uh... That's fine. I, I'll that's probably fine. be very much asleep by that point, and that, that is A-OK. Yeah, but I don't know. Um, it is interesting. So we've hit about the halfway mark for our first year of residency, Um and it is interesting talking to. Yeah, so we we've been talking to a lot of people. Um, <laughs> usually, Eric gave me a look. So I was like, no, you're fine. <laughs> I, I think I think I we're on the same page of what we're about ready to talk about. Okay. So I, typically, when I do these podcast episodes, I we just kind of wing it, and we are winging it to a large extent tonight. But I already kind of know this is probably going to be titled "The Burnout" because <laughs> that is how I felt. The last two weeks, I still kind of feel it, but you're we, coming out of the funk you, a little you bit. You kind of hit hit this wall right after nights, like, and I know I there it could be a lot worse. There are people I know who did four weeks of nights, and you know they were so it was people who did four weeks of nights, and they spent most of the time doing nights on eight south. So like, they had a busy busy like. <laughs> Whereas my nights, I had relatively less acute patients that more or less didn't need a whole lot of help. But there were people on nights that had lots of patients who needed lots of help and were also taking admissions. And so, like, it could have been a lot worse, if I'm completely honest. But even still, two weeks at nights, I was hitting a wall. I There was definitely the thought process going in my brain. Like, if this is how medicine is... Like, I can probably endure a couple more years of this, of residency. But at the end of residency, if I sign up to be, let's say, a hospitalist, and this is how it is, I don't know if I want to do it. Like, <laughs> I don't know if I can do it. Like, I, I think I'll, after three years, I'll have all the experience. And um, I think this residency does do that a good job of getting you to that point where you can practice medicine. But... At the end of three years, will I want to be a doctor like that? You okay there? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, <laughs> sorry, Karen. Every now and then grabs things, and because the baby is kicking her and all the all the fun spots. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, yeah, I, I hit this wall where I wasn't even really sure. Like, do I even want to be in medicine? And like, if this is how residency is. And then if this is basically what it's like after residency, like if I wanted to be a hospitalist, what I'm, what I hate about a lot of what I'm doing is hospitalist-like work. Obviously, nocturnalist work is similar to hospitalist work, it's just done at night. And no, not a chance. I don't, I don't think there's an amount of dollar amount that will entice me to do it, um, because, I mean, there are people who we do need nocturnalists. We need do need people to admit patients overnight and take care of our patients overnight. I I certainly, if I ever did end up being a hospitalist, which I don't think that's the course we have going right now, uh, obviously I would want someone to take over the patients at night and not have to have me cover 24 hours a day. Uh, That would be awful. But for me, it's just just not going to work. I can't do 
nights long term. I will have to do my month of nights for the every year for the next three years. That is just going to be a fact of life. That is how it is. Um, we'll get through it one way or another. We'll find a way to get through it. Maybe we'll plan for some vacation time at the end of it next time, or we'll figure it out. We'll figure something out. Yeah. But it's it's just so hard to go from nighttime circadian rhythm to daytime circadian rhythm all within like a 24-hour window, and you're just... Uh, so I was hitting this wall. Sorry, I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself. Uh, I wasn't really sure I wanted to be in medicine anymore. I definitely wasn't feeling like I was doing much of anything. I don't know, just feeling like you go when you go in, you dread. Like you wake up in the morning, you know you have to go into work, and you're just like, I don't want to. <laughs> I'm just dreading all the things that can come up today all the, the badness, and then get you get a, a large rash of patients who are just like, these are just difficult, difficult patients. Like, I think a lot of med school, we were like, oh, we're going to talk to these patients, and everyone wants to get healthy, and everyone wants to get back to their life, and you don't realize there's a lot of patients who just don't. Like, <laughs> like some, they're old, uh, they're not going to get back to their life because... They're 90 years old. They're not going to go back to being 75. They're not going to go back to being 55 years old. They are old. Um, that is just how we are built. Um, you can do your best, obviously, but you're not, you're not going to turn the clock back uh, on a lot of these patients. And there's some patients that, you know, they have the social resources, they have the family, and that's all great. But then there's your patients who don't have family. They don't have resources. They're, or they're they're not as old as your average patient, but they are debilitated because of life choices like drug addictions and stuff like that. I know it's um, it's a sticky subject, there, life choice versus disease. I, I'm not really going to weigh in on that right now. I just, it just sucks to treat somebody who's young, who's got multiple comorbidities because of substance abuses, and they are still using substances. It's an addiction. Obviously, that's hard. But it's very frustrating. <laughs> and then you treat the, the 75, 80, 90-year-old who is like trying their best to keep themselves healthy, but you can't really do any much for them. And it's, it's just, it's a grind. At the end of the day, it's, you, feel, you feel like, like what am I doing? <laughs> I am just shifting old person from here to a facility, and they're eventually going to come back. And like, it's just going to be this spiral of them being sick. And I'm shifting homeless people, drug addicts, back and forth. And, you know, I don't feel like I'm making any difference. I mean, I, I definitely had a, a, a conversation with one patient I had and talked a little bit about because he had come in with polysubstance abuse and he was, I think, concerned for overdose. And we had a big conversation about like, hey, if you keep doing this, you will be back. You will be back multiple times and you'll be worse. Each time you're going to come back here, it's going to be worse. You're going to be more debilitated. You're going to have more issues. And if you if you don't want to keep coming back, stop doing drugs. Get, get some rehab. Go to a, a care facility. Do what you need to do. But like, if you keep using, you're going to keep coming back. And that's just the fact of like, I, I'm sure there are patients out there who have done drugs every day of their life or... Um, 
whatever their lifestyle is is not maybe not what you would consider healthy but they don't end up in the hospital and good for you but there are a sizable number of patients who are doing cocaine doing fentanyl doing uh even even uh, marijuana and other like alcohol way too much and and also another weird kind of what, what this patient actually told me was like oh they're actually they're cutting they are cutting um, cocaine with fentanyl because they can stretch it out longer or they can make it, I don't know what, that's kind of the term he used. And it's just like, uh, I mean, fentanyl is bad enough of a drug as it is and cocaine is terrible also. And like, you know, let's put them together and <laughs> put some amphetamines in there and just like, what is going on? You have a, a stimulant and a depressant. You have, I guess... A drug that makes you psychotic, like, oh my gosh, like, I, I just don't understand. I don't live that in that f- sphere of um, people. Anyway, sorry, that's a bit of a tangent. Well, but <clears throat> so um, during this time, <laughs> um, Eric did reach out to some preceptors that he had during medical school, and then he did also reach out to program director, um, to just kind of talk about how he's feeling. He's all, we've also talked to fellow interns, um, from our program as well as, um, friends of ours, friends from, of med ours school. from med school. And it seems like most, <laughs> most everyone that we have talked to <clears throat> has hit a wall within the last few months yeah within the last two months like as we all approach this six month window of time everyone is feeling this suck like (laughs) (laughs) so just kind of a i don't know heads up if you are going to be if you're going to be a resident in the near future this is this is in your future but also know that i i I can't say for sure because i haven't quite gotten there yet but everyone says it gets better but i think the, the word i like to i i conferred i haven't conferred i looked over reddit and the general consensus is that you get more confident you get better at your job and more efficient because you see a lot of the same things over and over again so a lot of the similar things you can just work on and deal with the new things and more interesting things you spend a little bit more time on obviously but nobody thrives during residency Nobody is like having the time of their life in residency. You survive it and you find a way to get through it. <laughs> and so um, I'm not, I don't want to say, oh, in the first six months, you're going to have a terrible time, but it will get better. I would just say, as of right now, from what I can tell, you're going to hit wall. You're going to struggle. A lot of people do. Find people who are also going through it. Find out, you know, really reach out and find people who are going to be supportive, um, you're not going to be able to take months a month off to get your head back on straight. But I would say what Karen has done, um, when I when I had submitted my time off request, Karen, like I think you booked it every three, four months, something like yeah. that. Almost impeccable. Obviously, I'm going to have a, t- a, a week off here in the next couple of weeks, but that's mostly because of baby. Uh, well, we, <laughs> had, we had a... 
We had a vacation scheduled for over our anniversary in January, but yeah, but um, we we had we're we're now we pulled the plug it. on it. Like, <laughs> well, we're gonna have a baby, so <laughs> whenever the baby comes is when Eric's gonna have his week off. But um, <clears throat> yeah, I think that was a good move. I, I, obviously, that was just sheer dumb luck, but um, <clears throat> I had planned every three to four months. I figured that would be nice to have. Like, that's about the time that we should have some family time or some time off just to, like, reconnect as a, as a group or whatever. <laughs> find, find something else to do that's not medicine, that's not residency. And I know there's competing thoughts. There was a few seniors I, that were talking today, and they were uh, espousing the joys of, like, take two weeks off in a row, and then you can really go and do things. You can really travel i think he said like i went to vegas i went on a cruise because he he, he'd gotten married and went on a honeymoon essentially so he did a lot of things in two weeks span Mm -hmm. um and i and i get it I, i think that all makes sense but i think for me having that week off periodically is nice because then you have like a minute to breathe (laughs) um especially after like you kind of build up build up lots of things going on and then you can have that week off where you can kind of reset and kind of recalibrate and then go back into it and re kind of reground yourself. Cause I think that's the other issue is you, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. It's a lot of work, a lot of hours, and it's sometimes hard to not get lost. And you feel like all I do is this, this is the one facet of my life that I have. And there's, there's no other facet in my life. I currently, especially when, again, especially when you come off of nights, like when you're on day shift and doing floors, you have a few hours in the evening that you can really kind of do something. <laughs> when you're on nights, you wake up a few hours before, a couple hours before you have to go start your shift at 6.30. And so you spend maybe an hour or two with your family. You start your shift. You come home. You're exhausted. Maybe you try to do something for like an hour. You crash. You sleep. You wake up right before your shift starts and you do it again. And so you're basically spending the entire two week period, barely seeing anybody, barely doing anything, barely being anything but a nighttime nocturnalist (laughs) that is managing patients, sleeping and keeping them alive until the day team can progress their treatments. Um, I don't know. It's kind of bleak. Uh, (laughs) It's not, it's not for me. I know that again. There's definitely people who do it. There's definitely people who enjoy it. The money is good. Um, they pay you well to be a nocturnalist. Um, I I just don't think I could even. Uh, there's probably not even a dollar amount that I would just take it. And because the, for me, how miserable I felt after two weeks. I know I have another two weeks later this this year. Like, and I'll find a way to cope. I'll find a way to deal with it. But I would not want to do that more than the one month I have to do it every year. Um, and I'm thankful that my program breaks it up. Uh, not everyone gets it broken up, but I've gotten it broken up into two week blocks. So I, I think if, if I was at my halfway point, uh, when I ended, I don't know how I would feel, <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, but I, I did talk to, like Karen mentioned, some of the preceptors and uh, part of the, that question I was asking was, at the end of residency, I'll be, you know, a full-fledged doctor. I'll take my boards. 
you know, I can go and often be a hospitalist. I can be a primary care doctor, or I can go off in fellowship and try to be more specialized in something else. And of course, the thought process was, is like, if this is the pace I have to run at, I don't know if I can do, keep doing it past three years. And certainly not if this is what I have to do in the hospital day in and day out. And talking to the, some of the preceptors, they were like, no. <laughs> so when you pick a specialty, a fellowship, you can pick uh, based off of money and, or lifestyle, or a little, maybe a little bit of both, depending on where you want to go. Uh, and I'm, I'm kind of putting all their advice into one bucket here. So, um, yeah, so they essentially you can pick money, fellowship, lifestyle, uh, money or lifestyle. Um, and that's essentially how you can kind of think about your fellowship. Because there's going to be some fellowships, like let's say interventional cardiology, you will make money and you will have a terrible lifestyle. Um, <laughs> uh, or there are ones like infectious disease where you will actually have a pretty good lifestyle, um, but not a lot of money because uh, there's just not as much money in infectious disease as there are in other aspects. And But the lifestyle is great because there's really an infectious disease emergency. Like you don't generally need to be called at midnight. You're not covering patients. You round on them, give them their advice, and you move on. And if they get better, great. If they don't, that sucks. Um, and then you have your clinics. But essentially, that's what you're doing day in and day out. And the reason why there's no um, infectious disease emergency, because you can always put patients on broad-spectrum antibiotics and wait for the infectious disease doctor to consult in the morning to uh, de-escalate the, uh, the antibiotics. So you don't... Like, they can be on vein consulsin for a few hours. It's fine. Um, so that's infectious disease. There's a pro and con, obviously. Uh, I think nephrology is in a similar boat. But they don't make quite as much money, but they have a pretty good lifestyle. Um, anyway, I was talking to one of the doctors um, who I t particularly enjoy. He's a electrophysiologist, really great guy. And he was talking about just like, he's like, no, night times are terrible. It's kind of what they're, they're made to kind of break you a little bit. And it takes people generally about a week to get the circadian rhythm back up. And he's like, there's a reason why sleep deprivation is a form of torture. Uh, he's like, when you switch on to nights, you're being, you're, you're taking a few days to get used to that nighttime being awake and see so your circadian rhythm is kind of out of whack. You're tired and exhausted. And then after two weeks, you've kind of gotten used to it. And now you got to switch back. And you got to do it within 24 hours. And that's not even possible. And so your, your circadian rhythm is trying to switch back over the next week. And so you're getting tired and exhausted. And you're not going to be thinking straight. That's why you can torture someone with sleep deprivation. And they'll tell you anything you want to know after like a week. <laughs> so um, not that the residency is torturing us. But... That is essentially, you're, you're just going through a little bit of sleep deprivation. <laughs> and, um, but the positive point he was pointing out was that if you go, because I, I, I've been wanting to do cardiology, and it was one, another one of those questions of like, can I do three years plus two more if I wanted to be an electrophysiologist? Um, and <laughs> could I continue to keep this pace if, if, cardiology fellowship is this terrible, then 
living like a cardiologist is this terrible. I don't know if I want to keep going down this route. I might need to find a, an off-ramp somewhere. And he was like, no, no. You can work in a big practice of other doctors. You will have call maybe like once every three months where you have to run a night call. It's not that bad. You will work with a lot of people. You can do whatever you want. You can do as much as you want or as little as you want. And you can make as much as you want or as little as you want. And to me, it's like, okay. <laughs> so you're telling me if I don't want to work myself to the bone, I don't have to. I can, I can, still, I can still earn a decent living, but I do not have to work myself to the bone and die. That doesn't sound bad. Uh, that sounds like I can endure a few more years of this residency thing, possibly get into a your fellowship and continue forward. Anyway, sorry, that's that's just the... We're still dealing with some of... I'm still working through being tired. I'm still working through uh, kind of the dread <laughs> of going into work every day, just feeling like you're completely inadequate and... Um. Yeah, I mean, I had a patient. It was the wildest thing. I I go. I'm coming into work, just like dreading, like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna get like a crazy patient that's gonna have all these issues, and I don't have a clue what to do with them. And I get one of these patients in the clinic, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do with you. There's so many things wrong with like. There's so much going on here. I'm not even sure like where to start. And at the end of the entire appointment, he's like, I want you to be my primary care doctor. <laughs> it's like some of my brain are like please you don't there are other people <laughs> but, but he's like no, I, I, every time I come back I want to see you and it's just like okay that's fine like I mean I'm only here for three years <laughs> he's a very nice nice gentleman but that you feel inadequate and then you have a patient who's like I want to see you and it's like okay yeah but this Again, the way it, I know it sounds, it can sound bad, but the way like Eric is feeling is also the way that other, um, other friends of, other ours, friends of ours have all felt. intern years. Like I have, I have heard of people throwing out, maybe I'll just do the match again and do a different, do, <laughs> do something different or, um, <clears throat> just not not being necessarily um <laughs> happy with what they are doing and <clears throat> i don't know in a way like you learn through doing <laughs> and unfortunately i do think that residency all residencies not just this one but all residencies um you are going to, to some extent, you are going to get the patients that nobody else wants. To some extent, you learn a lot from that. And I think as, we'll, we will see how it goes, but I think as as it goes, you you learn coping mechanisms and you learn, like as Eric was saying, like you have your bread, quote unquote bread and butter patients that they all like... They're, they're going to get readmitted for the same dang thing. You're going to treat them the same <laughs> way. And then you're going to release them, and then they're going to come back. And <clears throat> like, there's probably going to be a progression of disease, but you you there is a like a method of treatment. It's Well, there's other ones like, as well. Like you, 
your stereotypical congestive heart failure patient, your COPD exacerbations, your uh, right now we're in the cold and flu season, so we get all. I, I think RSV, when I was on floor, COVID. I had RSV, I had influenza A and COVID. All, all you know, I was treating all you know, different patients in different rooms, but I had one patient that had each of those. <laughs> it was like, okay, well that's um, that's fun. Obviously, <laughs> um, you know, get your flu shot if you haven't. Um, I, and the influenza one was kind of the scarier one in my mind. Uh, RSV is still, again, these are a lot of old patients who are getting these and with maybe poor respiratory, like COPD patients and, you know, a lot of comorbidities going on and they struggle a little bit more. Um, but in any case, yeah, you get your bread and butter stuff, your CHF exacerbation, your pneumonias, your COPDs, um, you get some various like your heart, your heart failures, your chest pains, and uh, you get your GERDs, <laughs> which are always fun. Um, I don't know. There's a whole you kind of get a variety. Every now and then you get a few weird ones. I, I had a few weird ones last week that were definitely head scratchers. Um, and you have ones uh, you you think you like oh your end stage renal disease. We have a lot of end stage renal disease patients um, needing dialysis. Oh, I missed, missed the dialysis ones. Those are relatively straightforward. Uh, yeah, you get, you get a lot of kind of bread and butter stuff that you just kind of know how to deal with or you kind of have a basic idea of where to go and what to do. And then you have your very weird ones where you're just like, I'm not really sure what's going on with you. Or like your on-call. I'm terrible with oncology. Like that's my weakest subject so far in this whole residency is like, hematology oncology i think i was in like the fifth percentile which is terrible on my um ite exam and so i've had a few where it's like oh they did a round of chemotherapy and now their white blood cell count is 0.1 their absolute neutrophil count is 0.1 it's like oh my gosh <laughs> i mean thankfully you don't have a fever and you're not infected with anything but like you are like no immune system right now um so you get, you get those patients and you're just like, what do you, oncologists, what would you recommend I do? <laughs> I mean, most of the time you, when you get these patients, they're not just, they don't just stumble in. Uh, they're usually ones where they, they see an oncologist pretty regularly and the oncologist is like, ooh, that CBC looks bad. You should go to the hospital. And so the oncologist is usually already on board and that's... <laughs> Again, you just carry out the plan and you watch the patient, make sure nothing changes. And then you try to get everyone on the same page. And so, yeah, you get a lot of kind of various things over the, over the course of residency. You just kind of know how to treat and you know how to deal with. Um, you do, again, you get the curveballs every now and then. Like, I think I had a patient, end stage renal disease on dialysis, supposedly relatively stable, just needed to do some PT uh, evaluations, probably trying to get this guy placed into a facility. And then over one night, uh, one night he choked on some graham crackers because he decided that he didn't want to sit up while eating food. He was laying completely flat. Um, that got resolved. He was doing better the next day. And then the next night, he coded so uh again you when you sign that patient out 
mean, there's it was a temptation to be like end stage renal disease guy with hemodialysis, pending placement, nothing to do, and <laughs> the poor, the poor night person is going to get a cold blue and have to go to you know do CPR and start a code on this guy, and it's like my my sign out was this guy was waiting for placement. Why is he having? Why is his heart stopped? Um, and that's that sucks. Um, not really quite clear what happened there. He, and I didn't have him like a day or two before. I just, I think there was one day I, I, I was off during my floor week. It was like my first day off on floors and my true day off, not, not, not between step three. Um, and I had messaged like the physical therapist a day or so before, because anyway, we have an issue with physical therapy with this patient and the physical therapist messaged me on my day off and goes, well, I guess the situation has changed. And I look at it and I'm just like, what is she talking about? And I'm like, oh, patient status deceased. I'm like, wow, that's, that is not what I expected. Uh, <laughs> um, I expected him to just refuse PT again, which is what he'd been doing for the seventh time, you know? Uh, anyway. Yeah. <clears throat> Anyways, I think we'll probably check back in on this topic next year. And Maybe just, we have a better grasp of what's going on. Yeah, but I, I do I do think it's important to just kind of touch on and mention because so many of our peers have expressed similar, like, I've hit a wall, I've hit some burnout. I'm, well, I'm a, rethinking, like, if I actually want to go into a specialty, maybe I'll just do family practice or maybe I'll... <clears throat> yeah, but we, we'll have, like, people I know in this residency... Who are like I want to do. They started off like, oh, I'm going to be critical, critical care. I'm going to do ICU, you know, critical care uh, pulmonology fellowship. And at this point, you check in with them. They're like, I think I'm going to be a primary care doctor, eight to five, Monday through Friday. <laughs> um, and there's, you know, like Karen said, like there's a friend, of, there's a few friends of ours that, that kind of tossed around the idea of maybe going back into the match. Uh, see if they maybe can find something else that they would they would like better. Um, there's one person I think in our residency who's like, I want to go EM, um, which I mean, if you want to do that, then great. Um, yeah. So it just EM's a four can be a four year route, and then moving from IM to EM, you don't get credit. <laughs> so that's a five year cycle. Um, but who knows? I get it. At six months, it's hard. It's hard and. I don't want to say like I am is just the worst because I, I I don't have experience with surgical specialties or anything like that, but the best I can tell, everyone is feeling it. Yeah. Every intern is feeling it about now, and um, I'm hoping uh, all my all reports, this is normal and that you will eventually feel better or you will feel more confident, <laughs> and if you just keep plugging ahead and keep working at it. Uh, maybe finding ways, like strategies that we're trying to employ. Um, uh, trying to work out a little bit more. Uh, that's kind of a one one step. I, I think I lost ten pounds on nights. Um, <laughs> I wasn't I wasn't eating like uh, <clears throat> I would eat maybe something for breakfast. You know, come in with breakfast dinner. Dinner, um, yeah. Uh, come in with coffee and then, um, and then I wouldn't eat anything. And I got home 
I would have I would bring coffee for Karen and maybe drink. Uh, this sounds ridiculous, but drink coffee. That apparently, caffeine doesn't have an effect anymore. And then <laughs> go to sleep and do the next day. And so basically, I would have like one meal a day, and it wasn't very big. <laughs> and so, I I think I lost like ten pounds over over the course of night two weeks of nights. Um, that's fun, but working out more, uh, which is. You know, if you feel a little bit better about your body, you might feel a little bit better about life in general. Um, there's a few podcasts we're trying to listen to. Uh, since we're Christian and Catholic, uh, we try to stay a little bit more grounded in <laughs> our, our faith and try to reach out to that, uh, spending more time with the kids. Um, yeah, so we're going to try and do... So Eric does have at least four days off a month. Yeah, I mean, that's mandatory. Yes. <laughs> mandatory so, fun days. Yeah. Yes, so we are going to try and have a daddy date with at least one of the kids once a month, um, and that can be pretty much anything. Um, but that way he gets special time with each of the kids. Um, and then we are going to try and do... We do. I mean, obviously we're going to have a <clears throat> baby here, so... And we don't have an infinite funds for date nights, but we'll try and do... We're not independently wealthy, unlike <laughs> what some of my co-residents think. Right. Um, so we're going to try and do um, date nights at home, maybe once every other month or so. We'll figure um, something out. And then, uh, so that way we get uh, the time to connect just as a couple, um, besides running the family and doing all of that. So, um, those are a few things that we're, we're working on. And then I am also trying to request less of Eric when he's having, (laughs) when he's having a harder time of things, like uh, obviously on the easier weeks, like clinic week or, um, infectious disease, like he has got significantly more free time than some of the other rotations. And so I don't have to study for step three anymore. Yeah. As long as I pass. <laughs> so um, on those those weeks, I don't feel so bad asking for, for other things, but um, kind of taking on a little bit more. And so yeah, that's kind of our, our strategies going forward. We'll see if it helps. And then I think we're still going to kind of try and stick with the same mentality going forward with um, time off for next year, but that there is rumor that they might just change it to a set schedule um, that has time off already included in there. Right. Um, so we'll just see what what next year brings. But yeah, we'll, we'll figure it figure it all out. But yeah, clinic has been great so far, but it sounds like clinic is about ready to take a turn. Uh, so as a, as an intern, we start out with three patients on our our schedules. So every clinic day, you could have up to three patients scheduled that you can see. Uh, and then inevitably, with the continuity clinic, people don't show up. But <laughs> I think it's coming to a close because I looked at like so this so far Tuesday and Wednesday, I had only three on my schedule, and it was like one fantastic. Uh, tomorrow I have four, which is Thursday, and then. Friday, I have like five, so I think we're shifting to the second part of intern year where they are going to give us more patients, and um, on top of that, like, so for the first half of the year, all the attendees have to see 
all your patients uh, with you. At the second half of the year, if they think you got a pretty good grip, grip on it, they'll just you just run your plan by them, and they're like, great. And then you get to close out the, the appointment and send the patient on their way and <laughs> hope for the best. Um, so that's something that they can do depending on your attending. But yeah, we're... I'm guessing clinic is going to be less fun. If you get, like right now, like today I had three patients scheduled and none of them showed up. Um, which so he just did paperwork. I just did some paperwork. I caught up on my work hours. I caught up on my evaluations. Um, but if you get six people scheduled, it's unlikely that they're all not going to show up. Like <laughs> you're probably going to see a handful. So that's probably what's going to happen going forward. We'll see. One, one step at a time. Anyway, it's getting late, and we're going to wrap this up and get this posted. And I'm sorry if this is a drag. Obviously, this is a different flavor of podcast. This is not. This is definitely something that we're going through and we're working through, and um, we'll get better, hopefully, at it and have better updates in the future. But definitely, I think, worth knowing about, like, this is what people go through. It is, as much as, like, misery loves company is a phrase that comes to mind, it is helpful to know that you're not alone in feeling like you're hitting a wall and getting overwhelmed and you're like, I'm not sure if I, <laughs> what I want to do in medicine anymore. Like feeling lost. Uh, everyone, I guess everyone feels this way. I even mentioned, I talked to a, a resident who's a third year um, back in Warner Robins and he was like, yep, that sounds like intern year. <laughs> and he was in a, like, a completely different program. So like, Everyone feels a little bit different. It feels about the same about this time. In any case, we will try to keep keep these podcasts going. I know we're we're trying to do it back to a weekly schedule. We're kind of on a slightly better schedule for the next few weeks. So, um, obviously, it's almost January now. So you related Merry Christmas, related Merry uh, Christmas, Happy New Year, Happy New Year. But I think match is coming up in two, three months, uh, March sometime. So for all you getting ready to go into the match, I hope hope your interviews have gone great. Obviously, I think uh, interviews still kind of go on and through through January, January, I believe, is what like this last month. There might be some in February too, but hopefully you're getting your rank list going together and you have a pretty good idea of what you want to do and where you want to go. And I hope, hope it all works out and you guys have a great rest of your week and we will talk to you next week. Bye guys.